Hello, I'm Anita Arnand and thank you for downloading BBC Radio 4's Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. Good afternoon, welcome to Any Answers. So, just who is to blame for the treatment of the Windrush generation? We've been hearing this week that some people who came to the UK decades ago have been threatened with deportation, refused jobs, sometimes even denied life-saving health care. Who exactly is to blame for this and how do we put it right? 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Uh, this controversy has blown up in the week that the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting has been taking place in London. Let's talk about the Commonwealth this afternoon. Does it still have a purpose? And what do you make of the announcement that Prince Charles will be its new head? Could, perhaps, the Commonwealth replace the EU when it comes to trade, importing and exporting post-Brexit? If you do trade overseas, tell me what you make of this. So 0300 100 444. We can also talk about congregations in rural churches. They are, we're told, at an all-time low. So the question is, are we still a Christian country? And does it matter? You can text us on 84844. You can tweet us using the hashtag BBCAQ or you can email using any.answers at bbc.co.uk. Just on that last question, though, you are a very, very clever lot and um, we've had a blizzard of response to the question that was asked on Jonathan Dimbleby's programme a little while ago. Uh, it was asked, posed by Sir Mark Lyle Grant who wanted to know the name of the hymn that contained the lines Then it is the brave man who chooses while the coward stands aside. Um, my goodness, I, I could knock somebody out with the weight of the papers in my hand. The answer is Once to Every Man and Nation by James Russell Lowell. And uh, thank you very, very much. The multitude of people who've been in touch this morning. I hope that answers the question. Let's, though, dive into the story that is also in the news bulletins today. Uh, the news that the National Archives may have records of some of the people who came in uh, as part of the Windrush generation, people who had their docking cards destroyed by somebody in either 2009 or 2010. That is also a heavily contested uh, situation. What should be done? Should they be compensated? Why is this happening? Who do you blame? Let's go to Sarah Starkey, first of all, who's calling us from Tunbridge. Good afternoon, Sarah. Oh, hi there. Hi there. What did you want to say? Well, I'm actually shaking with rage at our uh, our treatment. I am so ashamed of being a white Brit who's lucky enough to own her own home, middle class, healthy. The idea uh, that this is new, what is happening, and oh, it's all shock horror. This has been going on since forever. We have treated foreigners very badly. We can pretend as much as we like. We can rewrite history, as Gove did talking to John Humphreys a few days ago. We can rewrite history. Oh, we, we accepted and we were very appreciative and liked all the Ugandan Asians. I'm 72. I remember how people really spoke. I know how we've treated people as, about Grenfell. And um, May was going to have sorted all that out long ago. People haven't got their homes yet. Basically, they don't count. People, there are are more... you saying people of colour don't count? No, they don't. And people with disabilities don't count. People who live on a, a housing estates where they've got some, you know, uh, jobs who keep breaking their windows and everything, they don't count. Mm. You have to be extremely lucky like you and me where you won't get as much prejudice as somebody else of um, Asian or whatever it is you are, uh, uh, background. Mm. I don't get it. I don't have people spit at me in the street. So tell me this. I mean, you say it's been going on forever. 
Yes, uh, which has. suggests and, it covers just, different... Poli- please, yeah, yeah, please, yeah. this is so important. Go on, Sarah. I would like everyone, everyone, to, to Google Diego Garcia. 50 years ago, we took everyone off that island mm. to give it to the Americans as a base. Okay. So, uh, okay. The fact is, we yeah. treat people appallingly, and the fact is that... It won't just be uh, the Windrush people. Okay. Okay. Sarah, I take your point. You have a lot of anger, and you believe that there's something in the weft and weave of this country um, that lends itself to this kind of treatment. You say, let's let's get some responses to that. I'm sure they will be out there. Thank you very much for starting the program today. Larry Page is also calling us. Hello there. Hello. Hi, Larry. What now, did you want to say? I mean, Leaving aside the way we treat people, uh, although we can't really leave it aside, I'm getting fed up with hearing about this boarding card issue. Now, through my tax and my national insurance, the national insurance people know exactly how many uh, years I've worked in this country. In fact, it's more than that. They know how many weeks. And if I've missed a week or two, um, they will let me know at the end of the year. They'll tell me I'm a few weeks short. So... Uh, when they come to work out my pension, they know exactly how many weeks I've worked. So why can't we just forget all those other records and assume that the tax man is only taxing legal people and they're only taking the national insurance money of legal people? I mean, how would they do it? Well, I mean, what, I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying, but what one thing that has become clear is how very opaque... Uh, immigration law is into this country and the fact that these and, and I think you said boarding cards I think you mean landing cards the fact that these landing cards are, are, are not readily available these would be proof positive that people are here legally that's that's what the argument is well, no I think you're wrong here all they would do is prove that somebody landed they wouldn't prove that they landed and went back to well then um, in that in that in that case larry why are people being told they can't have operations why are people because, being told they can't have passports why are people being my, told they can't go home and visit uh, their daughter's wedding why why is that not happening then because my government is inefficient i despair at all the governments nobody's thought to think no one's checked if they've been paying tax mm. and national insurance in this country for 40 or 50 years, they must have been legal for 40 or 50 years. Okay. So let's make an assumption that, that, that they're legal. I, I hear I mean, you. What I hear more you. proof do you need? Larry, thank you very much indeed. If you are working in immigration law, if you are working at the border agency, if you worked at the border agency in this pivotal time... 2009, 2010, I would very much like to hear from you this afternoon. 03700 100 is the number. I'm also delighted to say that Henry Sanders has called us from Luton. Henry, good afternoon. Hello, hello. Hi, we have we hear so much um, from people who are talking about the Windrush generation. You are the Windrush generation. Tell me a little about yourself. Well, well a little bit is that it's my parents. Uh, one of my parents, they made that. But... Um, I have other relatives who are also uh, from the Windrush generation as well. But in the 1990s, a delegation from the black churches, uh, a barrister uh, and others, we all went to see Pauline Green, who was the then MEP for Tottenham. And we had a discussion with her about the whole business of apology, compensation, 
Um, and we were given a lot of promises at the time, and there was a lot of money around from the European Union, but uh, nothing came of can, it. Can I just go back? Sorry, what, what date are you talking about? Again, just tell me when this, this delegation from the about, churches went. I'm talking about the 90s. So, the, so the, in the, the 1990s, 90s. I just want to be really, and, and forgive me, it may be because I'm being very slow and it's, it's entirely mm-hmm. possible that's it, but are you saying in the 1990s people were yes. flagging up this fact that people from the Windrush generation were being denied basic rights? Yes, we went and see we saw Pauline Green, who was the MEP for okay. Tottenham. Well, well pa- Pauline Green is not here at, right now, Maybe yes. maybe we'll get to hit. But just tell me, what were the kind of things that people were being denied in the 1990s well, that they were they well, were asking for compensation for? Well, we were a whole business because Bernie Grant, who was the MEP for Wood Green, he had already raised this whole business about uh, compensation and the problems with the wind rush. That is not something new. Uh, all the all the parliaments knew about these problems, but. They, they look at the money, it's too much money to pay to a black group, and they um, just turn their backs on did, it. Did you, have, did you have people in your circle, family or friends, yes, who, yes, who, 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 who didn't know what their legal status was? Yes, the churches. I'm talking about the black churches, yeah. several of them. So they, they didn't know whether they were citizens no, or not? No, no, no they, 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 they were... These were people who were largely in, employed in the laboring classes. They were um, bricklayers and carpenters and those sort of skills. Not, not, not the skills whereby you every week you get your pay slip and your uh, national contributions all printed out. It was deducted, but you didn't have that information. Mm. People took the pay slips and probably threw them away. So they didn't keep these things. So as a result, and, what, 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 what were they losing out on? Travel documents? Well, they, were or? Losing, they were losing out on almost everything because the time comes when you retire and you then have to look for your uh, um, state pension. You didn't hear anything. If, if you're working in the uh, government industries, when the time comes for you to retire, it is all made up to you and you're told what your pension is and that. But when you're working for these construction firms mm. and you're working uh, maybe by the week or by the month or the year, you do not get these documentations. They deduct the tax, but that is about all you get. Okay, okay. Henry, I'm so grateful. The other little problem that we have is this, that they're rolling up this whole business of Vinrush with They're rolling it up with modern slavery. They're rolling it up with the East African Asians. They're rolling it up with almost everything. And we want to keep Windrush as Windrush, not to have it mixed up with all of these. Soon now it is mixed up with the Brexit. The Brexit Europeans and everybody is jumping in. But you want Windrush treated separately and specially? Windrush is a separate issue. Very, very much is a separate issue. And we also need uh, some kind of a national museum where we have all of our records together. Okay. Too many people have access to us. We have a bit here, a bit there, a bit everywhere. All right, Henry. Henry, the, the National Collection, uh, that's maybe a discussion for another time, but uh, but this idea that there is something, and again, you know, we, we're trying to clarify what exactly the National Archive has and how comprehensive, maybe it'll take a few days for them to even work out what it is they have and whether it will be the answer to, to everybody's problem. Um, thank you very much for your call. Let's go to Chris Oaksmonger, who's calling us from Alton. Hello. Oh, hi. Hi. Um, 
Uh, the government's position seems to be that this is some kind of bureaucratic mistake which has only come to their attention in the last few days. And yet uh, the uh, Guardian has been running articles about it for months. Mm. Jeremy Corbyn raised it a month ago in the House of Commons and was brushed aside that he raised the issue of a person who'd had their cancer treatment withdrawn um, last November and uh, was brushed aside by Theresa May, who said that the person concerned needed to to verify their status. Mm. And it seems to me that the whole policy has been designed so that the Home Office is no longer interested in verifying the truth of whether somebody is uh, a, a resident and entitled to be here, but is designed to make it very difficult for people to verify well, the evidence that your yeah. uh, your previous caller gave about the the refusal to use national insurance and tax records, mm. um, which are pretty clear evidence whether people were here before 1973 or not. Um, uh, the refusal to use those is evidence that they're not interested in the truth. Um, I think, and this is this, is this this seems to be. I mean, I don't know whether this is what you think as well but because this has happened in that 2009-2010 juncture it seems like this is a problem that's carried over from government to government i mean i, I don't know whether you heard on thursday night alan johnson i know i don't did, did you did you anything to do with the, the with party cards. politics can, can i just can but, i just finish the point chris because i don't know whether you, yeah. you may or may not have heard it but uh, alan johnson was on a bbc program on thursday night where he said, yeah. yes, it happened in 2009, the border agency decided to do the destroying of these cards. Uh, it happened, but it was he says it wasn't referred to him, but then it actually, these cards were destroyed in 2010, where Theresa May also says, well, it wasn't referred to me either. So what- The destruction of the cards is a red herring, really. Uh, you know, the, the, the uh, national insurance and tax records could be an equally good demonstration that people have been here because anyone who was here before 73 mm. is is qualified anyway so long as they can prove they were here before 73 no you make you make an excellent point yeah we'll, we'll have those records mm. so the, the policy has been designed not to uh, not to establish the truth of whether people are entitled to be here but to try to make it as difficult as possible for people to establish it and then to tell them that it's their responsibility well, you know, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting lots of texts and tweets uh, agreeing with that. This one here is from Ian, who says the hostile environment faced by Windrush victims is just one manifestation of a cruelty now endemic in our social system. As we speak, new cuts to benefits will result in yet more children falling into poverty. Women have to admit rape to get support for a third child. Sanctions on job seekers, etc. The list goes on. Uh, a main reason is the outsourcing of administration of these services, which results in a financial and targets-based culture. That culture should instead be based on compassion for those left behind one way or another. We've got tweets coming in. This is from Dr Melrose Stewart. As a Windrush immigrant, how often and how long am I going to have to keep proving my right to reside in the UK? John Dawson says perhaps a more human, cheaper policy would be to have a blanket amnesty for anyone with a reasonable claim to be in the Windrush generation. Stephanie says each case should be treated on its merits, but there is a strong suspicion amongst immigrants and immigration law practitioners the home, that the Home Office is doing everything in its power to deny people the right to reside in the UK. Uh, and Jamie says the destruction of the landing cards, although stupid, 
would not have been a problem if Theresa May's Home Secretary, as Home Secretary, hadn't removed protection for the Windrush generations and introduced this hostile environment. Second other call. Uh, Jean Lewis is calling us. Jean, hello, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. Um, Harking back to your very first caller, how very easy it is to be liberal. I was born in 1935. I went right through the war. Excuse me. I left school at 14. My father left school at 13. There's too much hype about the Windrush. If there has been an error in them establishing their right to stay, that should be put right. They did not save us from anything. They came for a better life, and that's what they got. And incidentally, they went to the affluent south. They didn't come to the north, where there was massive unemployment. So what I'm saying is this. You emigrate, as my son has, and you take your chances. And when things go wrong, hopefully things will be put right. But I'm from a generation that feels forgotten. What on earth were we supposed to be doing after the war? We were rebuilding our country. And when the Windrush came in, there was the health service. We had none of that when we were kids. No social security, Mm. no health service. And they're banging upon how they've saved the health service. It's an absolute nonsense. Okay, Jean. Thank you very much. It sounds like there's somebody at your front door. Thank you very much indeed. 03700 100 444 is the number to call if you want to respond to what Jean has just said or anything else you've heard on this programme so far. Uh, Do you think the Windrush generation can place any trust in the government and the Home Office after this debacle? Uh, writes Miss Chin. Another one here. No, many EU citizens still have not been given guaranteed settled status. Anyone who can't show continuous tax and NI payments for the last five years or hasn't had comprehensive health insurance for the same has no security. Um, Another from someone who calls themselves on Twitter, the dastardly do-gooder. The mistake was made when someone used the words really hostile environment for immigrants in one sentence and then sent a van onto the street saying, go home. Uh, Let us take another call on this. David Slinger is calling us from somewhere near Gloucestershire. Hello. Hello there. Hi, David. What did you want to say? I wanted to say, uh, why don't we consider seriously introducing identity cards? I think it has been considered in Parliament in the past. I can't see what we've got against them. Most countries, I believe, have them. And that would be um, a secure way of establishing people's identity and entitlements. Mm. Uh, Retrospectively, what are you going to do about the people who are in this no-man's land, even if you were to start? I mean, there are many arguments from civil libertarians about uh, why it wouldn't work. It's the fault of the authorities not to have established their status. So I don't think the word generous is really appropriate. I would compensate all these people who've been treated so outrageously. Um, they are fellow citizens, and it wasn't their fault that adequate documentation wasn't there. That's why I'm, I think serious consideration should be given to a system of identity cards. And okay. um, I can't really think what the objection to it is. We have driving licences, um, which are a form of identity card, bank cards, etc., etc. Okay. Um, I'd be interested to know what the objections are. All right, thank you very much for your call. Uh, 
if you can tell David what the objections are to, to having ID cards, you are welcome to call us 03700 100 444. Ian Callaghan has been in touch on email. The hostile environment faced by Windrush victims is just one manifestation of cruelty now endemic in our social system. Oh, I think I've read that one. Sorry, wrong pile. Uh, John Sentamu has hit the nail on the head, says Anna. Uh, Apologise, sort it out, let people get on with their lives. The blame game threatens to stall the resolution of this problem. Uh, another on text. With the Windrush confusion, I think it's now time for national identity cards. After all, we already give our personal details out. Uh, agreeing with our last caller there. And uh, this one here, um, ex-Home Office official thinks three million EU citizens have got nothing to worry about as the government made a promise. The government made the Windrush people a promise as well. Let's take a couple more on this and then I'm very happy to talk about the Commonwealth because all of this, remember, there has been a backdrop of Chogham going on in the capital, the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting. Uh, what is well, what is the point of the Commonwealth these days? It harkens back to empire. Is it a new club that we really desperately ought to want to be a part of and, and nurture, particularly in post-Brexit Britain, or an anachronism, a leftover of those imperial days when Britannia ruled the waves, etc. Your thoughts on that, very welcome. I'm going to take another one on uh, Windrush, though. Philip Youngman is calling from Cheshire. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hi. Yeah, um, first of all, on the hostile environment, that referred to illegal immigrants. Um, determining whether these uh, Windrush people are illegal um, seems to be rather a mess, but dating back decades, not just um, as for the last few years. Um, and identity cards, we've got identity card is on the tip of our finger, fingerprints. But my uh, main point was really the cynicism with which the politicians are treating this. Mm. As was highlighted earlier on, um, the Guardian highlighted this five or six months ago. Jeremy Corbyn raised um, the issue of Albert Thomas uh, a few weeks ago. Albert Thomas being the man who has denied the chemotherapy, yeah? That's right, yes. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, they've saved it up for the Commonwealth Conference when it could make the most um, political um, point possible um, with the Commonwealth being involved. And it just seems a cynical political point that um, they're trying to make. They're not really interested in these people at all. Um, they just want to highlight and knock the government. Um, one thing I would like to know, though, is how can um, Albert Thomas be refused medical help? Because I understood it that the NHS was obligated to um, treat anybody who presented with an urgent um, medical condition. Mm. Um, but not for ongoing treatment such as chemotherapy over a long space of time involving a great deal of cost. So yes, right. urgent treatment if you come into uh, casualty for sure, but not right. for a long-standing condition. I believe that would be the position of the NHS. Thank you very much for your call though. Um, taking more on this, I know there are a lot of you who want to talk about Windrush and I'm, I'll still take your calls, but also let's, let's talk about the Commonwealth as well because somebody uh, alluded to this earlier on. Um, I can't remember the name of the lady, but she said that, you know, these Commonwealth workers, including Windrush, they came after the war because they wanted a better life. That's why they came, not to help us out, uh, was her, her treaty on that. Um, what do you make of that? And what is the position of the Commonwealth today? This Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting, does it mean something to you? Uh, Paul Gilbert is calling us from Taunton. Hello, Paul. What did you want to talk about? 
Hello. Yeah, the Commonwealth is a shining example of a, of a group of nations, big and small, throughout the world, sharing a philosophy of peace and values which maintain a relationship above politics. Now, going back to the days of the British Empire, many of the countries adopted British law, British language, and were important trading nations for the UK. And as countries gained independence, they became Commonwealth members. We need to expand our free trade for the benefits of the members of the Commonwealth. And I'm pleased that we're leaving the EU, enabling us to increase trade with members which have no agreements with the EU. Mm. When we became members of the EU, some of our Commonwealth countries suffered with the loss of trade with the UK. Can I yeah. put this to you? Um, it's it's an email that's come in from someone called Andrew Herford who says um, he's referring to Rishi Sunak who was on the programme with Jonathan. And he says, uh, Rishi spoke about a glorious post-Brexit future of stronger links with Commonwealth countries. Does he seriously believe that this is what the 17 million Brexit supporters voted for? Most of them, and I'm quoting from Andrew, are ageing xenophobes. The last thing they want is closer relations with dark-skinned countries. Does he really think they were voting for more students to come from India and Nigeria? How naive can you get? (laughs) Well, I don't agree with any of that. I mean, these people came, came across to our country. They helped our country to get back on its feet during the, uh, after the war. Um, most of these people are hardworking, just as any... Well, we, we can have our... We can allow people to come into this country who we want. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't matter what nationality they are, whether they're European, whether they're coloured or... No, okay. it doesn't really matter. No, got it, got it, got it, Paul. Got where you're coming from. Thank you very much indeed. Let's take another call. Charles Gilman is calling us from London. Hello, Charles. Hello. Hello. You're not calling from a library, are you? Where are you calling from? No, um, I'm calling from uh, Brixton Market. Excellent. OK, so did you want to talk about Windrush or the Commonwealth? Uh, well, uh, the, the Commonwealth. Yeah. When, when, yeah. when I first heard that the position of head of Commonwealth was uh, not hereditary, I was delighted because that seemed that it was an opportunity to, uh, to show that it was modern so when the when the prince of wales was chosen that really disappointed me it's a rejection of modernity it's it's a rejection of of stability he's a he's a divisive and destabilizing figure uh, who would you have who would you have instead well the it could be a, any number of people who have either done hard work behind the scenes, like civil servants who we would never have heard of, but who the people in, in the government would have heard of. It could be some some politician who's done uh, done good work in a, okay. an area outside party politics. Okay. Uh, okay. Ma- Charles- Gandhi was one, one uh, name that ca- came to mind, but I'm sure there are dozens of others. Um, Charles, I'm very grateful that you called. It's a little noisy behind you, but thank you very much for, for taking the effort this afternoon. Paul uh, Bergen has been in touch on Twitter. Heartfelt comments by John Sentamu on your sister programme on the role of and importance of the Commonwealth. Post-Brexit, we really do need to work at better ties. Dr Surinder Singh says the charter and purpose of the Commonwealth is visionary, but it needs to be enacted by encouraging the 53 member countries 
there should be huge opportunities in trade. Intercultural, democratic and civil societies work. Uh, let's take another call. Mike Bird, calling us from France. It just says France, which is a big country, Mike. Which bit of France are you yeah. calling us from? Brittany, and it's M with an N, Nick. Ah, OK. Well, we, you know, uh, we, we got France, the country, right? Sorry about the name, Nick. Yeah, uh, okay. What did you want to say? Well, I've heard lots of talk today and on the media recently about moving closer to the Commonwealth. I have nothing at all against the Commonwealth. It's a wonderful institution. But this seems to be a backward step, moving back towards the Commonwealth. Are we trying to reinvent colonialism again? It begins to sound like that, listening to some of our politicians. And I've heard today on any questions that young people would benefit from this wonderful move. Well, if we went in that direction, will these young people have free movement? Could they just live in New Zealand or Australia? I'm 74 now. And I can live in France or in any country in Europe. Could I just move to New Zealand or Australia or any other Commonwealth country? I, I don't think so. Um, so after Brexit, and, and is it even sensible to uh, rely on trade with, with countries so far away? Mm. And on the other side of the planet, what sort of carbon footprint is that? OK, thank you very much indeed. Let's get another on this. Tanya Rebel is calling us in the Isle of Wight. Hello. Good afternoon. Hello. Uh, Tanya, what did you want to say? Well, I agree in a sense with the gentleman before. Let me first make clear this is nothing negative about the Commonwealth as such. I find it despicable how people here have been treated. And I think we should work together with countries all over the globe. Uh, however, when it comes to trade deals, I was very concerned to hear... Uh, at any question time when people were talking about trade deals as if it's just anything you do all across the globe without any due regard to the environment and what this does. It would be very wise to start thinking about producing our goods more locally. This is not out of protectionism, by the way. This is merely because transporting things all across the globe is not good for the environment. Mm. So environmentalism should come first in this and we need to think and put things together. What's more... We also pursue, or we seem to want to pursue, trade deals with dubious regimes across the globe. And again, I'm not meaning the Commonwealth with this. I'm thinking of regimes who have dodgy human rights records, like our uh, big China, for no, example. No. And everybody seems to forget about Tibet nowadays. Okay. Nobody mentions these things. T um, Tanya, we have seconds left, but I, I, yes. I, take, I take your point on Thank you very much for making the call. It is uh, something, actually, that the carbon footprint point is being raised by a few people on Twitter also. Um, just this one email, it uh, says, it must be a concern of Commonwealth countries currently trading with EU. The EU, whether their deals will survive post-Brexit or could face a race to the bottom. That's all we've got time for. Same time next week. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio 4 website and search for any questions. I'm Anita Arnand. Thank you for listening.